Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Andrew Stanlett, the CEO and president of the Beauty Health Company. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, Priya, and thank you for the invitation. It's a great pleasure to join you on the Glossy Beauty Podcast, and indeed perfect timing because last week marked my six months as CEO of uh, the Beauty Health Company with our flagship brand, Hydrofacial. Andrew, I'm so excited to talk to you because not only have I been chasing you, I would see, I would say for the last six months, but probably for the last two years, which we'll get into a little bit more on the show with your role at Cody and revitalizing the cover girl businesses and Kim and Kylie. But before we get there, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you found yourself in the beauty world, because you have a very international background. You've led several different kinds of companies. And here you are in your first official CEO role of a public company. So tell us a little bit about that. Prayer, yes. Yeah, so by, you know, by way of introduction, I was born in the UK, but I consider myself a truly global citizen. I've had the privilege to live and work in eight countries across four continents, including seven years in Asia. And as to my career path, I mean, back then coming out of university, my path was either towards marketing or investment banking. And I think you know, we all know by now which job I chose, and I certainly have no regrets. Um, perhaps the initial choice of beauty marketing had something to do with the influence of being the only boy with three older sisters. Um, but I've stayed in beauty all my career because of the positive impact I see it has on people every single day. Um, sure, I've spent you know, much of my career creating and selling lotions, potions, makeup, and now beautiful skin. But what I really see is the confidence that each of these products bring to the people who use them every day. So beauty is not all of ways life-changing work. Did you find that early on from your experiences with your mother or your sisters? Did you see how they were transformed by products? Or do you remember what your earliest beauty memories were? Yes, I do. I remember, you know, watching my sisters and my mothers, as they used to refer to as putting their face on in the mornings before they all went off to work. All of them worked, of course. And seeing that spring in that step, which I now, of course, see was confidence, you know, ready to face the day face first. So I think that really stuck with me. Uh, and then it was a natural evolution into either beauty or fashion. Uh, and as I said, beauty, I was uh, very fortunate to start my career in Unilever and had a, a long and really fantastic career at L'Oreal. They really are the very best uh, school for marketing in beauty. And I had a wonderful career there. And you've not only spent time at obviously Unilever and L'Oreal, but then you went on to Cody. So it seems like you're checking off many of the big beauty conglomerates off of your list. What was so attractive about those particular experiences and being at some of the best places in the business? Yes, look, as, as I was developing my career, I wanted to find the right balance of, you know, international experiences of Asia, Europe, the Americas, uh, but also within beauty, different categories. And I started in consumer products, but then moved into luxury and in active cosmetics and the salon division at L'Oreal. Uh, I had a five-year break before Cody where I also learned to coach, uh, which is a fantastic experience in Asia and then leading the business in EMEA uh, of retail and D2C and building those brands. Um, but I really missed beauty. So one year after the, the merger of the consumer brands with Procter & Gamble, I was fortunate enough to, to join Cody and, and then, of course, uh, spent the last 
uh, four years developing the business here in the Americas, uh, which was a fantastic experience. But it was also a tricky time, right, at Cody? Obviously, turning around CoverGirl was probably your main objective. It was the flagship brand of Cody. And you did that within your time there, correct? Yes. I mean, Cody has such a tremendous portfolio of brands. And uh, as you know, leading the Americas, uh, Pierre Lobiers, who was the CEO at the time, also asked me to take on the uh, CMO role of CoverGirl and, um, and Rimmel and and a number of other other brands in the Cody portfolio, and that we really, you know, that was probably the proudest moment of my, of my career, working on the turnaround of CoverGirl, uh, the launch of of Clean Fresh and Clean Beauty within Mass, a first step for such a big brand. Also, uh, we made CoverGirl the world's largest mass uh, color cosmetics brand, cruelty free with Cruelty Free International, and um, you know, we're able to set that fantastic historic iconic american brand on its turnaround and you know really see as i look back on my career that is one of the sort of defining moments and i'm really proud of that time at cody not only did you turn covergirl around but you also helped introduce a new phase of the business with these celebrity slash influencer brands that are now so apparent all throughout beauty with kim and Kim Kardashian's line, and Kylie Jenner. Tell us a little bit about that experience, because I can imagine the stories are endless, and 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 you have so much to share, but what was kind of the highlights there? Yeah, and I was really privileged to work on Kylie and Kim's beauty businesses. I mean, firstly, um, Chris, Kylie, Kim, the whole family, uh, they're amazing human beings, and some of the smartest and certainly hardest working people I've ever had the the honor to work with. And I'm so proud of the experience uh, I had with them and honored to call Chris and the team friends to this day. You know, I learned a great deal uh, about how influence can drive a business uh, during that period, uh, how powerful that is. And actually, I'm applying those lessons now at Beauty Health. You know, for example, having an, an incredible product like Hydrofacial that can sell itself is one thing, but bring in world-class talent like Jennifer Lopez or credibility from the likes of Dr. Paul Nassif can take things to a whole new level. And I think that's what I really took out of my time working with Chris, Kylie, and Kim. I imagine from a beauty marketer's perspective, that's the idea of influence and celebrity has changed quite a bit since your early days in the business to now. What would you say some of the biggest changes have been? Of course, the digital transformation of the of all advertising and contact points for the consumer has really been you know, an ongoing lineage throughout my career. You know, when I first started uh, my career, you know, in the UK, I think we had three channels of television advertising and traditional magazines. Of course, now media and consumer touch points are so fragmented. And really, the, the role of a marketeer has changed considerably with it's so much now about leveraging not just consumer insights of the past, but then really unlocking that through data and technology. And again, um, I was able to derive great experience at Coach, L'Oreal and Coty. And of course, that set us up really well at, you know, the beauty health company with Hydrofacial, which really is a beauty technology, which really brings all of those experience uh, to the fore. So arguably, Andrew, you had one of the best jobs in the business, right? You were turning Cody around via cover girl and with Kim and Kylie, but you took this amazing opportunity at the beauty health company, which Hydrofacial is experiencing incredible growth. What really drove you to say this was the next step for you? No, that is a great question. And you're right. You know, I had a great role at Cody leading the Americas. It was incredibly successful 
pre-COVID, uh, during COVID and post-COVID. And I'm really proud of what the team and I achieved during uh, that, that moment. And of course, um, it was really exciting, of course, developing Kylie Jenner's beauty business and obviously uh, Kim Kardashian's business. Um, you know, I turned 50 last year and I think what I realized, uh, it was a real milestone that I wanted to build and create uh, a company and take it internationally, really leverage all of those experience I've garnered living all over the world and use that to build a company, a culture and a brand. And, um, you know, truth be told, I, I hadn't heard of hydrofacial, which we can come on to talk about because I think, you know, that's our biggest opportunity. I really feel it is the best kept secret in beauty. But I had the opportunity to meet with uh, Brent Saunders, our, our chairman, uh, at the end of last year, not thinking that soon I'd become CEO of the company. But as I began to learn more about beauty health and, and meet talented leaders like our CFO, Lian Wu, who built this company, I was more and more intrigued by the opportunity. Uh, and beauty health is a platform, and I think that's what excited me. It offers sort of breakthrough technology, this efficacious results, and this devoted and unique community which we've created of consumers, providers, estheticians. And it's something I really wanted to be part of. Moreover, I really believe in our purpose, and which is to help everyone feel good about themselves. And I think that is the most beautiful thing you can do after all. So I was really intrigued and you know wanted to find out more. So I was very excited to um, you know get offered the role. And as I said, six months on board, I couldn't be prior to be at the helm of the company. So what have been your main objectives or goals for the company? Because it seems to be almost a totally different regime than what used to exist with the old CEO and the old president. Uh, actually, I mean, the, the although the, the Clint, who I must say did a, Clint Carnell did a fabulous job, uh, along with Brent and the board building the company Hydrofacial over the last few years, uh, there's, the strategy is really very similar. And that is to take Hydrofacial uh, and to globalize this brand and make it available for consumers wherever he or she lives, works, and play uh, anywhere around the world. Uh, and we have a, a five-point master plan, which we had pre to me joining. I've really been focused on executing that. I think what I have really uh, been focused on in the last um, six months, first of all, is you know really building our brand awareness. So when we came on board, we measured a number of metrics so we could get a baseline uh, of so when I was starting. So we looked at a few things. Firstly, our, our net promoter score, which is 44, which is significantly higher than many other beauty brands or aesthetics brands. So consumers love the experience. It makes them feel good. Then we looked at our brand awareness. Our aided awareness uh, is only 9%. Our unaided awareness is less than 2%. So I realized that given that we had such a high net promoter score, you know, we had this wonderful opportunity to really tell more people about this brand. And as I said, I feel we're set, set on the best kept secret in beauty. And secondly, we've been focused on launching our new Sindeo delivery system, which we launched in March in the US. Sindeo, by the way, means connect in Greek. And the new system is such a leap forward in technology. It's new better and different than anything else on the market. Uh, not only is it surrounded by a patented moat of 60 patents protecting our technology, uh, but it's really through our cloud-based technology enabling us to have direct contact for the first time with consumers, 
with their data, with providers, so we can build loyalty, push notify, uh, and you know really enhance the consumer experience. Uh, and we've obviously it, we're off to a tremendous result in our last quarter, which I was uh, reporting last week with the team. We achieved record ever results in in net revenue, in delivery system sales, uh, and um, and we achieved our first 100 million plus uh, quarter revenue. So it's a really proud moment. We're in that hyper growth stage of a company as we globalize it, but also we're profitable. You know, we're making 50 million EBITDA this year. Uh, and um, we really feel we're just beginning at the start of this journey ahead of us. You mentioned brand awareness a second ago, Andrew, and I'm wondering for the person who may not know what hydrofacial is or what they could do, what's your pitch to them? Yeah, I mean, hydrofacial is, uh, in essence, three steps. It's a system which gives you three steps, 30 minutes can give it the best skin of your life. It starts with a, you know, a, a cleansing um, service, and extraction, and then finishing with this wonderful hydration. So you leave with, after 30 minutes, with this wonderful outer glow, but also an inner glow and boost of confidence. It, it's non-invasive, it doesn't hurt, it makes you feel good. And at a basic starting price of $150, it's relatively accessible, uh, considering the prices of other aesthetics treatments available. And we are truly omnichannel um, brand. So 60% of our business is still in that traditional medical channel, medical spas, doctors, plastics, uh, which we're really proud of. They bring us efficacy and credibility, and we have great partnerships with them. And the other 40% of our business is non-medical channel, and that's non-medical spas. It could be hotels, Equinox gyms, but also retail. We're really proud of our partnerships with Sephora, with Nordstrom, with Ulta, with John Lewis in the UK. And last week, we were really proud to announce our partnership uh, with Galerie Lafayette uh, in, in France. So truly omnichannel. We aim to be where our consumers live, work and play. You mentioned the traditional channel of estheticians and dermatologists and plastic surgeons, and it really seems like that is where the community and the connectivity starts. You know, when an esthetician or a derm recommends a hydrofacial or asks you to come back and do another one monthly, tell us a little bit about that, because, you know, these really seem to be the people that are preaching your gospel, if you will. And that is the unique, it's a great question, Pri. That's the unique element of the business model, which, um, which created, and I can't take credit for this. Uh, the, many of the leaders before me really understood this insight, which is, um, in the medical channel, many of the aesthetic or medical companies, their main focus is on the doctor. Uh, and that's because it's, it's more invasive treatments more expensive treatments, both the capital equipment and the service. But the founders of this company realized very early on that there was a very powerful community who were not being spoken to, not being educated, and that was the esthetician. So at Beauty Health with Hydrofacial, we're really investing in training and educating of the esthetician. The esthetician is typically the person in the channel, the, the doctor, the spa, or the retailer who's delivering the service. So we train and educate continuously the estheticians. We've also created wonderful conventions around the world each year. One of them in the US is called Estipalooza, where we bring them together each year for training and education and a celebration of our business and teach them new skills. Uh, and if you invest 
in someone and train and develop them. You create this wonderful loyalty, affinity, and they are actually our biggest brand evangelists, our biggest advocates. We have billions of dollars online. You can see if you look at the hashtag uh, hydrofacial or gunky junkie, the gunky canister, I think you've had one, Priya, is the canister which we show each consumer at the end of a hydrofacial service, the proof point of the service, you can see all of the dirt and the floaties which has been removed from your skin. It has its own hashtag. It's quite the social media stardom. And, um, you know, this community is something which is really, really unique and very difficult to replicate. And I'm often asked, you know, could someone copy hydrofacial? Well, we created this category of hydrodermabrasion. Um, and we've also, obviously it's patented, but I often say the most difficult thing to replicate at scale is that unique relationship, that secret source we've developed with the esthetician community, uh, which we've done over many, many years. And we're really proud of it and continue to do that. And that's why we continue to win. You know, the Sandeo is obviously an expensive piece of equipment to purchase. So why do you think that so many estheticians and dermatologists and doctors are investing there. Is it is it because the demand is so great and that the re, the repeat purchase of such a procedure is just you know through the roof and that's why consumers keep coming back? Yeah, Priya, you know the list price uh, of the new Cindia system is is just over forty thousand dollars. So whilst not cheap compared to many many, I would say the majority of capital equipment in a physician's office or, or, or medical spa, it's by far the lowest cost. So actually, it, it's extremely accessible uh, piece of capital equipment. So, and actually most of the transactions we have at the company are our providers purchasing the delivery system with a swipe of a credit card. And the reason they do that is that um, they're able to, the average provider is able to pay back the cost of the delivery system within four months. And there's no other piece of capital equipment in the aesthetic, aesthetic industry with such a rapid payback. Moreover, the really top ones uh, who have now really leaned into memberships and subscription model, they're able to sell, you know, maybe do an offer to their VIP clients of 12 hydrofacials for the price of 10 or a subscription. They can pay off the system in one day by doing these events and it's incredibly profitable you know we we say we you know more than just giving people hydrofacials we we're employing you know not just a beauty health but creating employment through the hydrofacial for hundreds of thousands of estheticians around the world and you know many of them if you do five hydrofacials five days a week over a year you know your gross revenue can be over $150,000 so it's very very meaningful for estheticians and we have so many wonderful stories of how we're empowering estheticians many who are not so well educated or may have come from underprivileged backgrounds and we're really helping them get a foot in life by um you know enabling them to make a living through hydrofacial Let's switch gears a little bit, Andrew. You know, when you think about how retail plays into that and how maybe is a larger megaphone for maybe a larger swath of people versus a smaller clinic or a smaller dermatologist office, how is that playing together? What is retail doing for you that, say, the traditional derm channel or clinical channel is not? That's a great question. I mean, the traditional derm and physician channel will always be the, you know, the, the heart of our business. And 
you know, for information, we're able to differentiate the offering by channel. Um, for example, just like, you know, L'Oreal or Weller would differentiate what they sell in the salon channel with retail, we are no different. So a number of our products are physician grade and only able to be deployed by a physician in that channel. So we are able to differentiate there. Uh, moreover, for example, with Sephora, we've developed a slightly um, smaller system, more suitable for the retailer environment called Perk by Hydrofacial, which we have in over 500 Sephora's um, in the US, uh, which is a 15-minute treatment instead of a 30-minute treatment. It's a slightly different technology, but gives you that wonderful glow which Hydrofacial is known for. Uh, so we're able to differentiate by channel. I think what we've learned uh, by going into retail, it's been really exciting, and the, and providers and doctors have given me this feedback, is that we've brought a younger consumer into the hydrofacial brand so you know the consumer shopping at an Ulta or a sephora and discovering hydrofacial at the weekend is probably many years before he or she is going to go to a derm or a plastic or a traditional doctor's office about their skin concerns and i think you're just bringing it just gives us access to recruit an entirely new consumer uh, which has been really exciting in fact the entire business and ecosystem has grown from that. So they discover the band perhaps in retail and then want to know more and then go to a derm or a plastic or a, a medical spa to have additional treatments. And it also allows you to do more interesting collaborations, it seems like, you know, what you just did with Jennifer Lopez and JLo Beauty. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, this company, and we'll talk about Jennifer, we're really proud of what we're going to do with the JLo uh, brand uh, in October. But more importantly, Priya, this company, uh, we've always considered ourselves the AND company. We're a gateway company. We've always had partnerships. And you know, I think we've talked before about the magic of this system is that it's like a Keurig coffee machine. We're able, we have our own hydrofacial booster serums, which we uh, use in the machine. But with that booster, we're able to um, work with any other brand. So we're really proud of the partnerships we've had with, you know, Elastin, Murad, for example, Dr. Paul Nassif. There's many, many more. We're really proud of these partnerships. Um, but also it enables us to work with um, celebrities and other doctors. And of course, you know, we're very proud of the upcoming partnership, obviously, with Jennifer Lopez and her JLo Beauty brand, which launches this October. And um, it, it's a perfect match. You know, Jennifer is known for her iconic glow. Uh, and, you know, obviously combined with the hydrofacial service, it's going to be a wonderful experience for consumers. And it, it's wonderful. I think, you know, it's at a great moment for us. Uh, Jennifer Lopez is an icon. She has over 200 million followers globally on her social channels. And I think we're really excited of what that can do to our brand awareness. Uh, in return, of course, um, Jennifer gets access to the very best technology in, in skin beauty health space and obviously access to a wonderful, thriving medical channel. So it's it's a really fantastic partnership and a perfect positioning for both our brands. Knowing what you know about influence based on your career and also most more recently with Kim and Kylie, do you imagine this could be something that you could replicate with other celebrities, with other influencers of choice? No, absolutely. Look, um, I think celebrities celebrities have a, 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 a you know, excellent role to play in building brands as long as it's authentic. But it, it's not all about celebrity. And I've always approached 
building a brand, in fact, whatever company I've worked in through, you know, the lens of a, of a pyramid. And I think for beauty, health and hydrofacial, the pyramid looks at the top of the pyramid is our doctors. We're very, very proud of the partnerships we have with Dr. Paul Nassiv, Stephen Diane, Dr. Paul Frank, many other, you know, globally renowned doctors who are hydrofacial users and advocates, and they partner with us. Uh, and that just gives us the credibility and efficacy, which is so important for consumers these days, where we're all bombarded by so many messages. Then I think in the middle of the pyramid, we're really proud of that relationship we've cultivated with our own estheticians who generate us so much earned media value. But also there's a role for paid social influences across wellness, beauty. Uh, and then, of course, at the base of the pyramid with the enormous reach, of course, is celebrity. Uh, and of course, we're very excited to kick off our first celebrity partnership with Jennifer Lopez. But I would not rule out working with other celebrities in the future, as long as it's done in an authentic way, which with Jennifer it is. She already has a very successful skincare brand um, under JLo Beauty, which is sold on D2C and in Sephora. So it's an absolutely authentic and logical fit with Hydrofacial. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about digital quite yet, Andrew, and I'm wondering for you, you know, what is that connective piece? Because from what I understand, you know, the esthetician can obviously pull up all your results and pull up what you did last time at the at your last appointment. But do you think this is something that the consumer will then be able to carry on themselves? It seems like consumers want smart devices for basically everything in their house, whether it's their phone or their Alexa. Do you think that they're going to want that? sort of information drilled down for them, you know, whether they're using the the treatment in a Sephora or um, at their doctor's office. Yeah, how we're approaching that prayer in terms of how we're leveraging data and technology through Sindeo is, is a threefold benefit, I would say, for consumers. First of all, everyone is different. And I think what Hydrofacial does, and once we have that data and the esthetician provides the Hydrofacial service, then she's able to recommend a bespoke and tailor-made personalized booster and hydrofacial service for you. That's captured via the app with your own QR code, which wherever you travel in the world, or whichever provider you go to in the US, they scan your barcode or enter your, even as simple as entering your phone number in the Sundeo system and your, all your details with all your personalized skincare regimen will show up. So I think consumers want not a cookie cutter approach these days, but personalized solutions, which we're delivering. I think secondly, as well, for both providers and um, consumers, what we hear is the importance of, of loyalty. I think we're so, all of us so familiar with how powerful, you know, the very good apps such as a, a Starbucks apps, for example, which we all use most days, and how that's so wonderful for rewarding loyalty, but push notifying. Uh, and you can want it be so powerful for us to have that direct relationship with consumers to push notify them to uh, reward them for their loyalty, to tailor make offers for them around birthdays, holiday, key moments in their life, uh, which I think is really powerful for consumers. And finally, in terms of you know providers, it's about really giving them the power of the data to help you know them get better at serving the customer. So we're able to today you know provide providers with benchmark data of how they're performing versus um, providers nearby in different states, in different countries, who's better at upselling boosters, who's getting better scores on service, uh, even within their own um, 
SPA, if they have multiple systems, which many of our providers do, we're able to provide benchmarking data of how each esthetician is performing uh, and also provide training, et cetera, to bring everyone up to the very best level of service. So it's very powerful. What about the standard tools that kind of everyone else is using today, whether it's TikTok virality or Instagram reels? How have you guys played with some of the more traditional, quote unquote, traditional uh, digital tools at your disposal? Yes, no, we, I mean, we've, we've testing and learning with everything. I think since I've come on board, I've really wanted to focus on, um, for the lack of a better word, getting the basic plumbing right. So we've made sure we're showing up with, you know, getting our search engine optimized, uh, making sure we're doing the right level of search investment, social at the right moments. Of course, uh, all the traditional channels, we've also experimenting on TikTok. Instagram is a very powerful tool for us. Also, CRM, as now we have that direct data with consumers, building up that and leveraging that to engage with consumers. I mean, through the data we're collecting, it's our goal, Priya, to be you know the world's biggest source of facial skin and scalp data. You can imagine with you operate in 90 countries, uh, everywhere in the world, every single day with Sendai will be collecting that data. It's extremely powerful how we can really use that data to leverage insights, to develop new products, to create products for unmet needs of consumers will be extremely powerful. And not just with a hydrofacial face service, but extending that service to all parts of the body. You know, we've through insights we've learned since we've been on board, we've learned that, you know, back, legs, hydro booty, you know, hand, lip, these are all uh, elements of service which the machine can deliver, which we've not really talked vocally about in the past, which are great opportunities to develop these categories. Likewise, we have Caravive, which is our Sculpt product, which we launched shortly before COVID, which we need to relaunch as now we've come out of the pandemic, which has clinical results to prove that it delivers thicker, fuller hair over a series of treatments. And we're having wonderful success there in the um, channels where it's distributed, but I feel there's so much more we can do with that, given the size and growth of the Sculpt market and the whole skinification of Sculpt, uh, which is very exciting, not just in the US, but you know, if I then, you know, look to my time in Asia where, you know, Asian consumers are using less fragrance, less makeup than Western consumers. But of course, skin and scalp care is an incredibly part of their part of their regime. So we're very excited about that sort of untapped reservoir of growth. Do you imagine that certain regions or certain countries are going to have specific habits, whether it's around the face or hair or booty, like you said, or legs, you think that people are going to gravitate towards certain treatments based on cultural preferences? Yes, indeed. I mean, we see that now. Uh, we even see it in in the US, actually. Uh, different, uh, different states have different uh, levels of uh, interaction with these different services. I think more broadly, though, um, especially for Asia, we will be and are developing formulas and service-specific for Asia, skin types, scalp types, but also just Asian regimes. And I, I just got back from an extended trip in Asia and spent a lot of time in Korea, which is such an important beauty market and, and cultural trendsetter. And we've came back with a lot of fabulous ideas of what we can translate in Korea, not just for Asia, by the way, but also for the entire world. So, you know, that is all in the pipeline. Andrew, when you look at the larger beauty market, it seems like hydrofacial sits at a very unique intersection of beauty, of technology, of health and wellness even. And at the same time, you're not necessarily competitive with 
you know, traditional skincare products or an allergen Botox treatment or a Juvederm treatment. What do you think your opportunity is and why do you think that you have been so successful? Is it because you have these different tentacles and they aren't encroaching on other people's territory? Or is it that you're amplifying everyone else's boat, if you will? No, that's a great question. And and you're right. Hydrofacial and beauty health sits at a really exciting intersection between beauty, wellness, aesthetics, skincare. It's very exciting because these are large and growing categories. And moreover, they're extremely resilient during periods of economic uncertainty, uh, which is, of course, top of mind for everyone at the moment. Um, But I think for us, we created this category, you know, hydrodermabrasion, a non-invasive method of cleaning, extracting, hydrating your face uh, without downtime. It doesn't hurt. It makes you feel good. The very fact that our system we can work with any brand which we would to choose or any, you know, partner uh, means that, you know, we've got no direct competitors, very difficult to replicate. And we we, we always stayed away uh, and, we'll, you know, before I joined and we continue to do this with having exclusive agreements. We want to work with everyone. We see ourselves as that gateway, omni-channel service and brand. That's why we've partnered with so many different skincare brands and continue today. Uh, we don't see them as competition. We just see ourselves as this creator of this unique ecosystem of estheticians, providers, and brands where we just focus on giving, you know, a wonderful hydrofacial service to consumers and giving them that glow and, and boost of confidence. So it's it's a very powerful flywheel in terms of developing our business. Do you think you have any true competitors? I mean, I'm not arrogant to say we've got no competitors. I would say still when we look to it, um, our biggest competitor, I would say, is two things. First of all, our low brand awareness, I see, is a massive opportunity. Uh, and secondly, there's still so many consumers around the world who are still having traditional facials, which, as you know, can be hit or miss because it really depends on the person giving you the the facial and how well he or she is trained and educated. With hydrofacial, because we bring technology, especially with Sindeo, it's like having your own personal coach. If you're delivering the service, it talks you through every single step of the journey uh, if you're the esthetician. So it gives you the consumer a much more uniform, standardized, outstanding treatment because it takes the guesswork out of the estheticians. And that is such a leap forward in experience and value uh, for um, a consumer. And that's why our business is accelerating. So I think for us, you know, increasing our brand awareness capturing more eyeballs and then really recruiting more and more consumers who are still going to have a traditional manual facial gives us a a massive opportunity. You know, we're really at the start of our journey. We have just 23,000, you know, systems placed globally today. You know, a large portion of our business is still in the U.S. We're very proud of it. We're pretty nascent but growing fast outside of the U.S. And, you know, if you consider in the U.S. alone some of the large injectable brands, they have in the medical channel 40, sometimes 50,000 doors in the U.S. alone. You know, we only have 23,000 systems placed globally. And by the way, 12% of our providers have multiple systems, which means our numeric door count is much, much lower. So the point I make is there is so much white space ahead of us. 
uh, profitable white space because we're a very high margin both on the machine and the consumable. Uh, and uh, everyone wins in the ecosystem we've created. Hydrofacial is very profitable. The provider, because the payback on the system is so fast and the ethician is able to make a great living. And for the consumer at a basic price of a, over a, only $150, it's fantastic value. When you look at the, it's by far the cheapest uh, cost uh, of any product in a, a doctor's office. And I think that's why, you know, we continue to do well, even during periods of economic downturns, because we are that gateway product. People may be cutting back to perhaps don't want that more invasive surgery or expensive fillers, et cetera, but they still want to invest in their self, their skin health, their self-confidence. You know, uh, like it or not, you know, we're all spending a lot of time on Zoom these days and our faces become our digital business card. So, you know, Hydrofacial has really benefited from that Zoom boom, which is, you know, here to stay now for generations. Andrew, you've only been at the company now for six months, and it seems like you have a lot of runway ahead. What are you most focused on from now until the end of the year? I'm very focused on you know, continuing the flawless rollout of our new Sindo delivery systems. These delivery systems, which take years to develop in, you know, co-invented with our providers, um, you know, they come along every three, four, five years. It's not something you launch every year. So launching that flawlessly across the US and then next year globally is absolutely my number one priority. Uh, I would say the second priority is, you know, really continuing to accelerate and build that brand awareness because I'm so confident in the experience we give as evidence in that high net promoter score. I'm so confident in the beauty technology we have with Hydrofacial. We just need to get more people converting and asking for a Hydrofacial. So that's really my second priority. And third priority is, is continuing to build the team. You know, we've, we've hired, you know, a number of people since I've joined. We've really beefed up our digital experience team, our marketing team. And we continue to do that, not just here in the US, but globally. Uh, and those are really the my three priorities for the rest of the year. And how worried are you about the economic downturn ahead? What are you future-proofing for the brand and for yourself? You know, I'm, I'm often asked this question and, you know, no brand is um, recession-proof. I would say, though, that hydrofacial, where it sits on this intersection of aesthetics, skincare, wellness, these categories are extremely resilient to periods of economic uncertainty. You can see that in all of the data points historically, and even you know the recent earnings, not only of beauty health last week, but beauty companies, they're all seeing that continued strength in skincare and wellness. And I think, you know, be it the lipstick index or the, you know, the strength of skincare during the global financial crisis, consumers continue to prioritize spending on items which make them feel good, you know, ready to face life face first. And I think hydrofacial is really well positioned to, to, to experience that. Um, moreover, you know, when I look back at our own data, when we were a private company during 08, 09, the company continued to grow. So we have a proof point. And, and I think what we learned, and I was, you know, in Atlanta last week meeting providers and customers there, is that as we're this gateway service, you, there is that phenomenon in periods of, of recession of of consumers trading down from the more expensive invasive services. And that's why, you know, you know, our providers, 
they they really then really thrive with hydrofacial and lean into it because you know the capital outlay is very low and accessible and the service price for consumers is very accessible and it really keeps them going uh, and keeps you know keeps consumers coming back again and again so you know um i'm feeling very good about the year ahead and of course we you know we plan for the best but prepare for the worst and we're obviously very focused as a leadership team on delivering on all our financial commitments to our shareholders thank you so much for being here andrew it's been wonderful having you and talking with you here today thank you priya look forward to seeing you soon thank you so much for listening to the glossy beauty podcast tune in next week for another episode and of course that means if you haven't subscribed please hit that button 